Uh, what is up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. How is everybody doing today? I've been playing with the lighting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been playing with the lighting here, and today, simply because I ran out of time, I have decided to go with. Uh, I have decided to go with uh, secret dungeon lair lighting because it looks like I am literally in my basement trying to tell you secret messages about the coming insurrection, and that I don't know seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's that's where we're at today. I haven't been able to figure out. Um, I haven't been able to figure out like good lighting thing. The problem mainly is this thing behind me because it is so reflective because it's vinyl. I may get that reprinted, but since I don't make any money here on the Hard Rock Lunchbox, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of money to throw at it. I do have a black curtain I might just start using, but the problem is no one cares but me, <laughs> and I don't even care all that much. I think I'm just going to go back to regular lighting next week, and we'll just kind of see what happens getting thrown off because my video recording like is totally not working like it's supposed to or like it usually is and I'm just thinking about all the extra work I'm going to have to do over the weekend to fix that so <laughs> team lunchbox am I right? alright <laughs> so uh, how's everybody doing? I think I already asked that and I feel like nobody answered if you want to join the conversation it's 99wnrr uh, com. You can just join the conversation right there. There's already people in the chat having a good old time. Uh, yes, we are multilingual here at the Hard Rock Lunchbox. El Boxo de Luncho uh, Mucho Hardo. And I think that's a dead-on translation, probably. I don't know. Who do we ask for help? And we just don't know which way to go. It's the map. And that's not going to help us now. Bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, we could start with... Um, not a, I have notes and a sticky, so this is gonna this is gonna be a good show. Um, but basically, brand new episode of the top twenty. I know another Thursday, another episode of the top twenty. I can't believe it either. Uh, this week, I talk about why God put uh, tur- turn signals in cars in the first place. Uh, also, I point out why you are wrong about Rage Against the Machine. Blah blah blah. It's a good video. It's a good, I mean, it's a good episode. I always like. I'm enjoying the beginnings, the the bumper montage or collage or whatever you want to go with. In the beginning for me is like the favorite part, and I really have tried to start posting just the intros to get people more interested in this show. The reality is, I need a social media manager, and I need to hire one. I just I have no idea where to even go for one to start the process. Unfortunately, because everyone's like, yeah, I have TikTok. I'm a social media manager. It's like. No, you ain't. <laughs> like, I need an actual social media manager, and I need somebody that can handle the box, the top twenty, and Rebel Nine, and anything else that I'm doing uh, in my career would be really good. I mean, I can't pay all that much because I'm not making anything in anything, basically. Uh, but obviously, I can pay some, and then the point is to move it along. So at least uh, I'm picking up some money. Maybe I'll do some sponsors. I honestly don't know. I'm just I, I know that I'm so overwhelmingly busy most of the time that I can barely prep for stuff, but that really hasn't changed. As I said last week, this is, we are in the ninth year of the Hard Rock Lunch Box, which I can't believe it. Can you believe it, Jimmy? It's always a no! Yeah, I can't believe it either. And I keep saying I'm going to do something special to commemorate that, but uh, 
I think we all know I'm not going to do that. So I'm just probably not going to do it. So I actually have other stuff to talk about today and other business. Um, <clears throat> man, I am sorry about that. That's got to be super pleasant to listen to, especially if you're in earbuds. Uh, but yeah, and uh, Bacon is my podcast news. Their full interview with Oakrest Band and full interview with Tyler from Saving Vice. Um, they are this week. They also have Josh from Glasslands. I, I caught a bit of that. Uh, early this morning, uh, but that's their seven standard seven questions. Always interesting and always good, uh, quick little meet. Um, I'm going to have to redo my interview with Jackie Raven. I told you about that, but I might just have to have her on my show because uh, at least I'm able to hit record properly. Right, Jackie? Yeah. It's just a little inter-new regal radio jab at my coworker here. No, Jackie's great. She'd be a very good interview, so I might just try and set that up. But again, I'm just I'm like too, like I'm here anyway, but I'm literally too busy to set stuff up. But so, like I've been trying to have this interview with Todd from uh, from uh, Long Island Music Entertainment for about three years now, and I still haven't been able to do it. I've seen him like three times, but like I haven't been able to schedule an interview because I'm really cool. Also in other news, uh, Rebel 9 will be at Amityville Music Hall with uh, Roderick and uh, Neon Skyline. It is their debut show. If you need tickets, feel free to hit me up. I have them. I'll be posting them probably this week, so there'll be an online link for you to purchase said ticket. I hear rumor that our own Giovanna is going to be opening that show as well. Uh, She's not selling tickets, though, so if you want to see her, you got to get them from me, or I guess you can get them from Joey if you want to be that kind of person. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, whatever you do, don't get them from Jake from Roderick because he has since moved to New Jersey. And that pretty much finishes that sentence. Um, in other Rebel 9 news, I have finally released the acoustic video of Keep You Near from the first annual Bippy Awards. Uh, people have asked for that specifically, so I finally, six months later, got around to doing it. Uh, it's on the Rebel 9 YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash rebel9band. There is a story behind that, but I don't have time to go into it now. But Rebel 9 Band will bring you there, and you can check out all the other lack of content that we have on there. But I literally put this out now because we're going to be having a bunch of content start rolling out. And by a bunch, I really mean some. And by some, I mean like maybe a couple or a few. But we are going to be releasing the Dirty Deeds Thunder Cheap video that we shot at... <clears throat> Mulcahy is that most people that are listening to this show are actually in the goddamn thing. So I think that's going to be a cool thing to check out. Um, but I need to build up a little action for the page because we haven't put anything out since the lyric video for Keep You Near, which is like two years. So I'm going to put some stuff out to start building up some interest in the page, and then we'll release that. Plus, we've got another couple lyric videos in the works for Blue and Easy, I believe. So hopefully they'll be done soon. We'll be able to roll those out. And then as we proceed with future recordings, we're probably going to be documenting some of that. So we'll again, we'll have all kinds of stuff. Also, it looks like I have the duty on my face. As I said a couple weeks ago, it's just a shadow. See? It's a shadow and a really bad view. So I go all over. I'm sure that did a lot for people on radio. Uh, Right. 
So, uh, just a quick update on my fight about Rage Against the Machine. My friend has taken down his post. I did see that he responded to it, but like I usually am not on social media over the weekend, or most of the week, actually. And by the time I actually went to go respond to it, the post had been taken down, which I found was disappointing because I actually had stuff to say. Because what I did do is I actually read up on what the deal was with the particular tickets, see if there was anything specifically different about uh, this tour with Rage Against the Machine. Raids Against the Machine, and it turns out that there actually was something different about it, but it went in the exact opposite direction that my friend was accusing them of doing. So, what they had done is they reserved in, in, an, in an effort to kind of undercut the scalpers, right? That's all this was. In an effort to undercut the scalpers, what Rage Against the Machine did is they had various pairs of seats throughout every single arena. That would be whatever the base price set by the arena and like Live Nation and all that. Whatever that base price is, they would have that and then they would have a little bit extra above it and those were charity tickets which means that when you bought those tickets, you paid say your $49 well actually the fee the fee for the <laughs> the fee for most seats is somewhere between $20 and $40 right as set by the tour package and then Live Nation adds its fee the venue adds its fee blah 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 so let's just say it's for the sake of math. It isn't. But let's say for the sake of math, it's $50 is your base seat price. Um, actually, that's that's a bad example. 25 25 is your base seat price after taxes and all that other stuff. Let's say it goes to $50. Bucks. Uh, what they were doing is they were charging uh, 70 and 90 I think, for those tickets. And they would go up. You know, based on the taxes and fees and all that other stuff. But that extra money above the base ticket price was going to be directed uh, directly, going to be donated directly to charities in that city. Usually hunger, some women's groups, some voting groups and stuff like that. So, And you had the option of buying those tickets. You did not have to buy them. You had the option. They were referred to as charity tickets. And what they were doing is they were trying to keep scalpers from buying those tickets... Because they were more expensive, so that scalpers would buy the other ones, and this was a way you could directly get Rage Against the Machine tickets and and that. But Tom Morello, back in March or February, even had posted on his site, on the Rage site, and tweeted that there is no ticket for any Rage Against the Machine show over one hundred and twenty-five dollars, and those one hundred and twenty-five dollar tickets were exclusive VIP level charity tickets where almost $100 per ticket was going to local charities. And if anybody was following anything about it, they kept posting how much they were donating. $35,000 in Buffalo went to like World Hunger in Buffalo and Buffalo related areas. $75,000 went to Toronto charities. And over the five days that they played at Madison Square Garden in New York City, they raised and donated one million dollars to New York City and local area charities, and that is fucking amazing. And it's all through the purchase of those charity tickets. People bought them because they were charity level tickets; they were not sold as scalping tickets. So people knew what they were doing, and people actively donated. And I would also argue, because Raging This Machine is a very smart operation, there's probably some tax deductions available when you do something like that. So. If you're one of those people, keep an eye out. Maybe you can just, uh, I forget what the form is, but you can submit it probably on your taxes because it's taxes because it goes directly to charity and it undercuts the scalpers. So I just want to conclude what I was saying last week by saying that I was right again 
and no one is surprised. Right, Jimmy? Nope. It's always I wasn't right because I'm so scary smart. I'm right because I did a little bit of research and I used some common sense, something that is noticeably lacking these days. And that actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about today, which is what I consider to be probably the biggest social problem going on today in the world today. I try and boil these things down because I want to make them simple and digestible, not only for you guys, but for me as well. You know, like I... I suppose, like, I spend most of my, you know, weekly sort of therapy sessions going, like, what the fuck is wrong with people? And my dude being like, yeah, man, yeah, the world's fucked up. Like, all right, man, same time next week. All right, cool. Like, but uh, he did have some insight for me years ago when he was talking about how everything is fear-based. And it's fear of losing uh, things that are important to you. Whether it's realistic fear or not is relevant. Fear, not only is fear your only god, as... Uh, Rage Against Machine is pointed out over and over. But fear is a powerful motivator and it creates worry. Like I, I have my own fears about you know, life and retirement and what the hell I'm going to do with my existence when I finally decide to stop you know, performing or writing. Or, not that I see writing anytime soon, but performing's probably performing's probably got a deadline on it. Um, but um, Oh, so, right, so you have all those. So I further boiled it down after some conversations this week to kind of like this whole block of the country. And I'm not even talking about the whole Liz Cheney and Wyoming thing. Like we, could, we could talk about that at another time. I mean, I think there's nothing I need to say about it. Um, but this whole sort of concept of kind of the way things work. Right, and and you see this throughout history, and that's why I was kind of able to boil it down along this avenue. You see, like people every, every within every generation, within every generation, a slayer is born. But also within every generation, people are worried about the advances of the generation after them because nobody wants to get left behind. Right? I get it. Like I, I'm not a TikTok guy. I, I feel like it costs the band something because we don't. We don't play on TikTok. I don't. I mean, my other guy, you're more than welcome to, like, hop up and start the Rebel 9 TikTok account if you want. I, I don't care. I don't have the time for it. I find TikTok in general just completely an abhorrent usage of, of your person, your brain, um, and the time spent on it. I find it a cesspool of humanity. And, like, this is me talking. Like, seriously, you want to talk about cesspools of humanity? Look no further than the banner right behind me. I'll even point to it. Oh, cesspool, cesspool, cesspool. <laughs> cesspool of humanity, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday from noon to two, right here on the Hog Um So yeah, so people worry about, you know, things in the in the coming generation. And and when you talk to people, like you can kind of like you know, tease out like little bits. I had said uh, years ago, like when you know people were like really favoring Trump, I found this common thread where if you were really well off, like quarter million dollars in savings and up, uh, people were very conservative and they were very interested in keeping their money as they should. Because once you start hitting those like certain milestones and stuff like that, 
that's when you know the IRS starts looking at you for taxes. And if you're not wealthy enough to dodge them, like Elon Musk and most people with a lot of money, then you're the ones kind of paying your fair share. And that's a lot of money if you start getting into the quarter million dollar range, right? So people are worried about that kind of stuff. Um, but I used to say that you used to have those people, and they were very pro-Trump because they didn't want their stuff taxed. That, to me, is a perfectly reasonable ideology. If you're like, dude, I make a million dollars a year. I am never voting for a liberal Democrat. We're done with the conversation because not only is it a solidly good reason, I have no argument. Like, yep, yeah, yeah, man. Like, I was watching something, I was watching something on Big Think a couple of days ago that was telling, and I was going to talk more about it, but I, I, I got to work with it a little bit more. But he was saying, uh, he was talking about how we don't understand why people, we liberals uh, or Dems or even like left-leaning centrists, which I'm becoming more and more of, uh, we don't understand why people on the right keep voting against their own interests. And he was pointing out, he's like, that's a ridiculous statement because you know who votes against their own interests the most? Rich white liberals because they're the ones with the money that keep voting for all these social programs and they're the ones being taxed the hardest. They are the ones that are vote truly voting against their own interest and we herald them as heroes but if somebody that you know has some sort of clan allegiance and we're you know they're voting against their own interests well are they like maybe they're heroes to people on the right and that's something worth thinking about but anyway the whole point of this is that i feel like i've come down to like my my newest stance on it is that it really is about you know people wanting things the way they were and I see this and have been saying it for years, but didn't really sort of solidify it into this nice little box. But um, people liked it when they were in high school. White people. I'm only talking about white people because I, I do not come from the minority experience, so I don't have a whole lot to say on it. But white people in general that I've talked to, because it's not necessarily just pure racism. I mean, it's it's in there, but it's not just that. It's really about a familiarity and as I talk to more and more people about their exposure with minorities, like in school, like even mine, like I, I remember it and I've said it, you know, humorously over the years, like we had one gay guy in school and we had two black people in school and they were brother and sister. And that was my minority experience. Dude, I'm from outside New York, right? Like I wasn't in the city. I wasn't in Urbansville, New York City or Queens or Brooklyn. And I feel like that's why those people just feel like things are very different. My kids grew up in very diverse schoolings and stuff like that. Uh, Charlotte specifically, uh, just since her and Corey went to Montessori schools, like they had a much different exposure because it turns out, believe it or not, that immigrants are way more into education than your average American. I know, shocker. So we, like her classes were loaded with, with minorities and stuff like that. And that was really the sandbox that she was raised in. Same with Corey. And like, you know, I'm sure they see color because they've been tested and they can tell blue from green and stuff like that. But, like, it's just uh, not unusual to have different people. Well, that is not the experience of most people in America. In fact, when you talk to people from, like, outside of the cities, like, they're like, yeah, man, we didn't even have, you know, black people or Muslims or, you know, like, or Jews even. Like, it really, like, because I was making a joke about um, Italian names to... You know, one of the people I work with, and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, don't you remember when those kids couldn't fill their whole name on the SAT? Because I went through that. I had a lot of Italians in my school, and they didn't have enough room for their names on the SAT form. And she was like, no, we, we had no Italian. I'm like, how do you not have any Italians? And she's like, we just didn't. We had, like, Germans and, you know, some Dutch. 
but like that was it. And I was like, Jesus, like, you know, you don't realize like when you come from New York, like what a town, uh, like without any Italians would look like. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a lot quieter. I can't, I can't. I'm like one sixteenth Italian, so it's totally okay. But I mean, would you really go to those towns for any pizza, Jimmy? It's always a no. You're goddamn right, it's always a no. <laughs> so if you can't even get any Italians to come to your town, like just imagine how uh, culturally diverse the rest of the town is going to be. And that's what those people have experienced. That was their high school life. And you know, do you? I don't think those high school people had. Minorities. I don't think they had any gays. They definitely didn't have any trans. You know, they they didn't deal with any of that. They didn't deal with pronouns. And as people get older, they're less likely to, like, learn their new tricks. I mean, that adage exists for a reason. And you kind of start seeing, like, the way... And this is what I was saying about, like, things I've been complaining about for years. Like, just think about, think about how well cover bands are doing and your 80s bands and your 90s bands like people just longing for stuff like old Alice in Chains like I love Alice in Chains and I'm sure they were fantastic at the beach this past weekend but the reality is like that was a 90s band like we can stop and like all the covers bands do cover bands that are doing like 80s bands and stuff like that I appreciate that nostalgia but the reality is they are just dwarfing sales for original music and that is based out of all these people that want to just resort back and reflect back into a time that was more comfortable, like high school, right? How many times have you seen people say or hear people say and seen people post, like, they don't make good music like they did in the 70s? Like, yo, the 70s, dude? I make good music just last week? Like, like seriously, there are bands out there that are just doing amazing stuff. And, like, half of this show is dedicated to, like, showing you new material that comes out that I think is good and honestly we can disagree all you want but like I think my track record is at least above 50 like you know I'm, get, I'm getting at least a C minus right and coming up with new music that people like and exposing it to them. So, but those are the same people that think that Foghat was the greatest band ever and there's no point in doing it anymore or, or Leonard Skinner or Zeppelin like you know I, Zeppelin has a very special place in my existence are they better than Incubus and Chevelle and Deftones? I mean, maybe at the time, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we were talking, Jimmy and I were talking about how maybe the Goo Goo Dolls are like this generation's cheap trick. And he is definitely not upset about that. But like, they keep putting out new music. Like, good for them. Like, they're still doing it. Like, Zeppelin only did like 10 records, right? And one of them they were disbanded for. Like, you know, I mean, there's been good music since the Beatles. There really has. Whether or not they're the best, I don't know. I, I, I'm not even qualified to answer that question anymore because obviously I'm so stuck here in my, you know, Stockholm Syndrome basement. So I'm not out there making, you know, the world different with my new music. I'm not Machine Gun Kelly. I sure as fuck ain't Post Malone. So, like, what do I know other than the fact that people are reverting back to these things that make them comfortable because they make them comfortable? And that is because they are just afraid of things that are going forward and things that are getting taken away from them. And I'm not saying that fear is a bad thing. And I'm not even saying that it shouldn't exist. I just think you should be aware of it. So when people look at, like, all these social programs and all these migrants that are taking their jobs that they clearly don't want to have anyway, like, what is it really about? It's about the landscape changing from around them. Like, this doesn't look like it used to look. 
And I find that too. I find that all the time. But what I get upset about is when I go to some place that I haven't been to in a while, and I see that every single mom and pop store that used to be there has now been replaced by like a Walmart or a fucking Chick Fil A. Please stop eating at that place and supporting that horrible company. Same with Hobby Lobby. If I could ever get like a not a sponsor thing, like it would definitely be Chick Fil A and, and Hobby Lobby. But the last thing I want to do is see like places that I. You know, kind of grew up like liking and adoring, replaced by corporate America. And people are complaining about minorities. Like, are you are you serious right now? Like, not even remotely the problem are the people trying to fill my water glass at the diner. Like, God bless those people. Like, I am definitely concerned about the cost of bringing people in, like in by the hundreds and thousands and stuff like that, because that is a discussion that needs to be had. So I'm on board with that. But do I hate these people for doing it? Of course not. Do I hate the people that are trying to keep them from dying in the streets? Of course not, because I am a good Christian and a good person. And I don't believe that anybody deserves anything less simply because they were born outside our borders, especially when people inside our borders are such pieces of shit. But hey, that's just me. And I've talked long enough. I have no segue. It's a data remember.